honored and glorified. Let your word be learned and let your spirit work in our hearts and apply it, Lord. Let us go out of this place singing your songs, praising your name, and moving in the direction of greater and ever greater service for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. start this new series, I want to pose a question for you to consider that uh, some of you probably spent a lot of time thinking about. Some of you maybe uh, not so much in recent days, but what is your dream in life? What's your dream in life? My guess is if we were to go around this room, there'd be a lot of different answers, right? And and probably different answers based on uh, where we're at in life. Because the more uh, life experience we have in our belts, the more we may realize that uh, our dream in life was different than we maybe thought it was when we were younger. Uh, when we're young, we might have these super big and, and grandiose dreams of, of what we want our life to become and aspire to. But uh, the American dream, if you will, has kind of been that uh, set of ideals that our nation has adopted for a long time, that we have the freedom and the opportunity uh, here to pursue success and prosperity through hard work and, and creativity and coming up with plans and, and running businesses and doing all those things. And that's kind of become our mantra uh, since all the way back in 1776, right, when a group of men signed a document that said in it that all men are created by God with certain unalienable rights, including the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And since then, that has kind of been the battle cry of American culture, right? All people have the right to pursue these things. We have the opportunity uh, to pursue a life of happiness. And so uh, that becomes this thing that we're so prideful about as a nation, as a people. And over the next 12 weeks, uh, what we're going to do is join in a quest to understand the good life what the Bible has to say about it, especially here in the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, we're going to learn what it really is. We're going to learn uh, how we find it, how we live it. And we're going to learn, uh, hopefully through this whole series, that the pursuit of the good life isn't just uh, part of American history and culture, but it's a matter of a human nature. That as humans, we desire to live the, the good life and that people all throughout history, from all different backgrounds and in all different places, uh, have aspired to this same exact thing. And during this quest, we're going to kind of jump on board with our guide. Our guide is the person who has written the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, and if, so if you would, open your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, if you haven't done so already. And this morning, we're going to be looking at just the first 11 verses. The very first verse of Ecclesiastes introduces us to the author of the book uh, who identifies himself as the preacher, if you're using the ESV. Uh, verse 1 says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Other uh, translations may use the word teacher there. Uh, quite literally, uh, this idea, this person is the collector, the convener. This person has, uh, in essence, brought together and collected these understandings 
understandings and thoughts of wisdom uh, that they have compiled in this book of Ecclesiastes. Now, uh, many people will look to this author, and we believe in in large part this person is probably Solomon, uh, but the reality is we don't know for certain. Uh, In recent years, there's been more debate that maybe it's somebody that just had some connections with Solomon or uh, maybe rubbed shoulders with Solomon, were familiar with his life, and uh, wrote the book maybe as a, a perspective back looking at his life and and all those things but certainly there's there's some level of bringing some thoughts together and then a conclusion at the end so uh, our our goal this morning opening up these first few verses is simply to kind of set the stage right and that's what these first 11 verses uh, do for us in this series they set the stage uh, for what we're going to be doing what we're going to be looking into and so uh, we do so understanding that if this is the if it is Solomon who wrote this, uh, he is the the son of David. He was a king of Jerusalem. He had a means to pursue all of the different things that he outlines uh, in this book. Um, but all that to say, throughout the series, whether it's uh, myself or Bill or Kevin or whoever may be preaching, you might hear. Uh, reference to the author being Solomon. Uh, Kohelet is the, the Hebrew word there. Um, it could be Kohelet, preacher, teacher. All these uh, names would be referring to the person who's written this book. Um, with all that said, despite whoever wrote it, the purpose of it is that we might take time to pause and take an honest examination of life. And so as we work through this, I encourage you to join in this journey and take time to process uh, the thoughts and reflections that are included in this book. So let's uh, turn our attention this morning to the first 11 verses of the book of Ecclesiastes. It says this, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down, and it hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and round goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new. It's already been in the ages. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things yet to be among those who come after. Heavenly Father, Lord, we turn our attention to this book and we begin our study through it and we ask your blessing on it. Over the next 12 weeks as we work throughout the pages and words of the book of Ecclesiastes, Father, I ask that you would lead us and guide us, that we would take an honest examination of life under the sun. Lord, that we would ask the tough questions, that we would sit and wrestle with these things, and Lord, that as you lead us, ultimately, that we would consider what you have set before us. Father, I pray that as we turn to this book of wisdom, that you might grant us wisdom as we reflect on our own lives and consider the days that lie before us, that we might live them in a way that's honoring to you in all things. This morning now, uh, be honored in the preaching of your word, the reception of it, uh, that you might be lifted high, and we might consider what you have to say for us this morning. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 
Well, I got to be honest, and you're probably wondering a little bit too, you watch uh, the little intro video, The Good Life, and uh, right out the gates in the book of Ecclesiastes, it might seem kind of hard how to see how Ecclesiastes has anything to do with the good life, right? The opening words of the book, after all, say vanity of vanities, uh, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now that doesn't sound so good. As a matter of fact, almost nothing in the passage that we are going to deal with this morning sounds good. Everything's repetitive, uh, everything is vanity, uh, there's nothing new, things are going to be forgotten. What good is there? And yet I believe as we uh, move throughout this book, we're going to see uh, the good life rise to the surface. Now in many ways, if you were to, to think back to that, that process of how gold and silver and other metals would be refined, it would be refined through heat so the infirmities would rise to the top. And in many ways, uh, that's what's going to happen as we go through the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to see over and over and over again this idea of hebel. That's the, the Hebrew word behind this uh, word that we translate vanity, or in your translation it might say meaningless. We're going to see that word uh, come up nearly 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of uh, the author's most favorite words, it would seem, that uh, vanity, 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 hebel, 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 meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. And I think as, as we set out on this journey, we need to take just a quick second and understand what's really meant by this. Because uh, when we look at our translations of hebel, and we look at the words vanity, and we look at the words meaningless, uh, they, in all honesty, fail to capture the true nature of the word hebel. Because to them, we, we might set out on this journey then with this assumption that, that life doesn't really matter, right? That at the end of the day, that there's no value in life under the sun. That we look at uh, these things and we might conclude, meaningless, why, why bother? There's no, there's no value in working. There's no value in our homes. There's no value in these blessings that God has given us under the sun. But the word hebel uh, carries with it a bit of a a different flavor than that. Uh, Those words that we use capture just the the idea. But the picture of hebel, if you will, I I almost wanted to bring up a a candle up here. And you light a candle, right? And you have the candle burning. What happens when you blow the candle out? The smoke begins to rise. And the idea of hebel would be to try to seize that smoke, right? To grab it in your hand. It's it's a tangible thing. It's there. You can see it. But when you reach to grab it, you can't actually take hold of it. It's this fleeting nature of life. And that's the, the picture that the... That Solomon or the preacher uh, has for us when we set out on this. That all of the things that are going to be addressed are hebel. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're valueless, but as you reach and grasp for them, they don't deliver uh, to the very substance that they might claim that they have. That, in other words, as we pursue those things, as uh, as the the preacher, the teacher pursued these things in their life, and they reached out to grasp them, they found that there was no substance, no strength in them on which to build life. And that's where we jump into this whole idea, this this wrestling with what things really stand up. What things really have enough substance to them uh, that we could build the good life on it. And so uh, to be sure that we do an honest job as God's people, an honest job, of the Word, uh, we're going to join in this process, right? We're going to uh, go through this book and follow Solomon or the teacher uh, throughout all of his his pursuits and his reflections, and we're going to uh, look at all of these things, and we need to take an honest examination of them. 
Because we want to uncover all the stones that he uncovers and, and take a look at the claims of life because the things that, that Solomon looks to are really no different than the things that our world tells us to look to today. When we get down to the nuts and bolts, I mean, he says that in our passage, there's nothing new under the sun. Now, sure, things may look a little bit different, but at their heart, things are all the same. Things are all the same. And so uh, as we partner here with uh, Solomon or the preacher, we're going to, uh, we have to entertain all the possibilities that are before us. As good students of the Word, let's look at these things with an honest examination. Now, in the opening verses of this book, uh, the teacher gives us a bit of an outline of what we're going to look at. And so in these 11 verses, we see that we're going to take an examination at the natural world, right? We talk about the sun and uh, we talk about the wind and streams and these things, just looking at nature and how, how within the very fabric of nature, there's this hebel, this fleetingness, this never completing, never standing on it. We're going to look at the human experience, right? The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing, right? And this idea that we see over and over again in our own lives, that as we achieve and grow, we, we always want more. Something always leaving us to desire just a little bit more. And we'll look at human progress and the legacy that's left behind as uh, we would uh, are, will inevitably face death at one time in our lives. And just the fleeting nature of life itself. And so we'll get a fly-on-the-wall perspective, the 30,000-foot view of so many of these different things in the chapters to come. Success, achievements, entertainment, comforts, authority and power, the accumulation of stuff, living wisely and living foolishly. All of these things will be dealt with under the book of Ecclesiastes. And when we take an an honest examination, I encourage you throughout the study, if you're in a small group or even as we work through it on Sunday mornings, to think critically about these things. Examine them along with the teacher. Is he right? Has he taken good stock? Has he looked closely at them? Because I believe that as we do, we'll find that they're not unique to his culture. It's the same pursuits that we have. What, what gives us fulfillment in life? What leaves us with a sense of a, a meaningful life that motivates us day in and day out to keep going? What's going to make us feel rewarded? What is the good life? And it's only after pursuing all of these things that the teacher concludes that all is vanity. All is vanity. But we have to go along with them. As the uh, old French author said, that in order to be prepared to hope in what does not deceive, we must first lose hope in everything that does. In order to hope in what we What does not deceive, we have to lose hope in everything that does. And that's what the the book of Ecclesiastes sets out for us to do. All of these things in life offer fulfillment. All of these things in life, success, materialism, uh, power, authority, they all offer, this is it. This is the good life. If you could only achieve this, then you'll have it. If you could unturn this stone, then you'll be walking uh, the life that everybody would want to have. But they all deceive. Because you get there, and it just leaves you wanting a little bit more. And so as we examine all of these different things, we have to uh, join with the author of Ecclesiastes and learn to embrace a specific perspective. 
We're told in uh, verse 3 that uh, he asks the question, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? And so as we set out on this, we're, we're going to look at life under the sun. And the meaning of under the sun is that most of the Kohelets, most of the teachers' uh, quest for, under, for understanding of the good life is done apart from God, right? And so that's going to run against the fabric that we want to uh, look at things as Christians, as followers of God, because He looks at all of them apart from God's influence. If this is it, if these things are the end, then what are they? And so we're going to take that examination with them and take uh, an honest look at the natural order of things. Things as if they are just the way they are. And we'll look at life. We'll look at the complexities of life. We're going to wrestle with all these things that take place under heaven. The things that we might experience in view of the, the certainness he'll outline in the days to come. The certain anticipation we have that one day death will come knocking. And on that day, what will we take with? On that day, what will all the years and years of work, what will it have amounted to? All of the memories, all of the, 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 the time spent, what will it have come to? So it gives us a natural look. I love the, we talked about it in small group this week, um, I've learned that a lot of pastors like to start with the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have people who aren't familiar with the Christian faith, a lot of guys will say, well, let's look at Ecclesiastes. A lot of times we might think Genesis, we might think the Gospel of John, but uh, we look at Ecclesiastes because, well, that's where the world's at. It's looking at these things just the same way as Ecclesiastes as imposes those questions, right? A book of wisdom uh, lumped in there with the books of Song of Solomon, Proverbs, Job, but a different flavor. Looking at if, if God were out of the picture, here's what it is. It's asking the same questions the world asks. It's asking the same uh, from the same perspective that the world is coming at. It's a good introduction to what is life with the Lord. What is life? What is this Christian life all about? And so if we set a a foundation here, taking this look, it's going to go a long ways to helping us ask this question, what is life apart from God? Third, we need to examine difficult principles. There are going to be hard things that come up in the book of Ecclesiastes. Unlike uh, the hopefulness that you see like in the book of Proverbs, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it almost feel, leaves you feeling a little deflated. Proverbs, train up a child in the way he'll, he should go, and when he's old, he won't turn from it. There's this hopefulness in the book of, of Proverbs that if you do these things, the glass is half full. Ecclesiastes comes down and is like, well, maybe not. right? Maybe, maybe life's not always also great. Maybe life is full of complexities. Maybe life is full of uh, hard questions that how do you really come to an answer? Things that we can't really understand. And that's what we're going to see uh, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And so uh, even in this passage, let's look at a couple of these difficult things that we're going to have to deal with. Verse 4 tells us that a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. To understand the book of Ecclesiastes and appreciate the wisdom that comes out of it, you are going to have to wrestle with the temporal nature of life. That you will come and go, and that life will continue on after you. 
just as it has done for generations before. And it's easy and more comfortable to skirt by that. It's easy to not wrestle with the, the difficulties of something like that. But we need to sit there. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has put eternity in our hearts. So as people, it's ingrained in our very fabric, our DNA, to long for something more than just the temporal. There's something more to life than just now. But we have to wrestle with this fact. What is our place in the world? Who are we? What do we bring to this world? Verse 5 and 6, The sun rises and the sun goes down, and it hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. We're going to have to wrestle with the, the repetitive and cyclical nature of life. Now, uh, if you've read the book by C.S. Lewis, Screwtape Letters, uh, you might remember in there that uh, C.S. Lewis writes uh, from this uh, vantage point that the whole book is is posed as this uh, this snapshot into the, kind of the demonic world, right? As demons are strategizing on how to to lure God's people away, and so you've got uh, this higher ranking uh, demon, if you will, instructing a junior uh, demon or junior tempter and saying this that the horror of the same old thing is one of the most valuable passions that we've produced in the human heart. An endless source of heresies and religion, folly and counsel, infidelity and marriage and inconstancy and friendship. And it rubs against our fabric to, to deal with things that are just the same old, same old, same old, right? The redundancy of life. It's all the same, right? And so sometimes in our lives, some of you are the adventurous type. They're like, I'm going to disrupt the redundancy. Today is going to be different. I will have no two days that are exactly the same. But into the very fabric of nature itself, there is this repetitiveness. The ocean always filling but never full. The wind never ceasing. The sun always in motion. All of these things that the, the author of Ecclesiastes looks to and says, we've we got to wrestle with this. We've got to wrestle with it. Verse 7. Wrestling with all streams running to the sea and in that being full, uh, this never finished nature of life. You ever feel that way? Life's just never done. With a two-year-old in our house, kind of feels that way. Spent a lot of time cleaning this week and you know what still needs to be done? Cleaning. Laundry. I bet if Solomon could have gone back and written this again, he might have included laundry in the list, or dishes, or errands, or you get the picture? All of these things in life that, man, we, we spend so much time, and the job's never done. Wrestle with these things. What does that make of life? Uh, verse 8, what, is it, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. Now, we live in a day and age where it seems like there's new things every day. Uh, we got youth group kids in the back that are the, the pros of social media and technology, and some of you guys are like, I don't even know how to use a computer. We're in two very different places. Certainly, computers and all of these things are new, aren't they? But in their core, they're the same. So things in life, they take on a new face, but aren't we in the same place? With all the progress that we've made, don't you think we would have dealt with 
any sort of injustice or wickedness in the world? Done away with these things? We're still there. We're still there as we look at the world around us. It is still a fallen and imperfect world. There's nothing new. Always striving. And the, the, the book of Ecclesiastes is going to have to help us ask the question, what does newness really look like? What does progress really mean? Is there a such thing? How do we wrestle with these things? Is that part of the, the, the recurring nature of life that we continue to, to kind of grow but yet not? As the sea fills but it's never full? How do we deal with it? How do we deal with the, the eye not being satisfied with its seeing, or the ear filled with its hearing? I know uh, as, a, as your pastor, one of the things that I always wrestle with is stuff. I just like stuff. I like new stuff. I like gadgets. I like things that uh, work nice. I, I like all of that. But even at only 29 years old, I found that every time I get something new, what do I want? something else, right? It's never actually all that fulfilling. So as we look at the, the, the emptiness of life, how do we deal with it? I, I have a video I want to show you here in a second that uh, looks, or it's kind of a testimony very briefly of a man who in, in the eyes of the world has done it all. He's had success, he's had fame, he's had uh, wealth, he's done all of it, and he still finds himself asking, well, what, what's next? That man's a man that the world is... Uh, oh, sorry, Zach, if you... I'm a little early there. But um, the man that we would all know, he's a man in the news these days, you're wondering, will he retire? Does he have another year? Let's see what Tom Brady has to say. And, and still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is... Me, I thank God. It's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't... This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew... I wish I knew. Why do I have three Super Bowls? So Tom Brady, 27 years old, had won three Super Bowls. The the fame of the NFL, success, fame, popularity, all of that. And he says, "This isn't this isn't all it's cracked up to be. What else is there? What else is there?" And so many of us would look to somebody like Tom Brady, perhaps, and say, "Man, if only." Right? If I had some of the wealth of Tom Brady, think of what I could do. Think of the ways that I could give back to other people. Think of the, the investments I could make, the, the, the inheritance that I could leave to my children and their children and their children. Think of all these things. Think of the influence that I could have if God had only given me a platform that the whole world would see, that I could then use that for God's glory and all of these things. If, only, if I had the taste of what Tom Brady had, and yet he stands there and says what? I'm 27. I've done it, man. Is this it? Is this all life has to offer? In Tom Brady's perspective, there is the same as Kohelet's. I've done it. I've been there, done that. Is this it? 
is this it? And you, you feel, and I don't know where Tom Brady's at today. That was 2005. What's the answer? And he was lost. I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. And for so many people that you and I rub shoulders with today, we're asking the same questions. Is this it? Is it about getting the best job? Getting salaried? Is it just about raising a family? Having a nice place out in rural Illinois? Getting that vacation? Is this it? I wish I knew. And the beauty is that as we work through this book, Solomon will ask all of those same questions. This, this Certainly this can't be it. But when he's asked the question, well, what is it then? He will give us perspective. Perspective that we won't see a whole lot until the very end. There's going to be a lot of working through things, a lot of wrestling. But to conclude the whole book in chapter 12, Solomon says that at the end of the matter, when all has been heard, fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And so certainly we'll we'll learn that, man, if, if all of these other things are an end unto themselves, they're going to leave you wanting more. They will not deliver. They are going to be hebel. They will be vanity. They will be meaningless. They are going to leave you wondering, why all the effort? Why all the toil? Why all the struggle for this? And the conclusion will be, serve God. Obey Him. That's the whole duty of man. And as we do those things, it's going to bring that value that seems to be missing in all of these different components of life. It will infuse the value that God has put on it back in. Because when we obey God and submit to Him, then we begin to see things not just under the sun, but from the perspective of above the sun. Right, we bring God back into the equation and we're going to see how all things begin to fall into place, but we have to wrestle from this perspective of what's life under the sun to get to that place where we can say with a confidence, a conviction, a, a sureness that there is something more than this. That it would give us as, as believers an opportunity to engage in the conversation with people around us who are pursuing emptiness and vanity fleeting natures of life that surely if we take time to process these things, it will be a great reminder for us in our own lives that as we consider them, as we live our lives as well, we might be reminded to not fall prey to the, the, the allure of the world, but to keep things in proper perspective. And then we can engage in those conversations with other people because we've taken, I've looked at it. I've taken time to consider it. You want success and popularity? You want to be the next uh, uh, influencer on social media? Well, here's what it's really going to deliver for you. Here's what it's really going to bring to your life. I've taken time to look into it. God's Word speaks to it. I've learned that God's Word is not just some, some tacky, outdated book that looks at a culture years and years behind us. But it speaks the very same struggles and passions of the human heart and condition that are true for us today. 
So I've learned and I've grown with these things. Because that surely puts into perspective this difficult reality that we see in verse 11 that there's no remembrance of former things and nor will there be any remembrance of things yet to come among those who come after. Later in chapter 2, we're going to get it thrown right in our face. You will not be remembered. Talk about a tough pill to swallow. But think back in your, your family's history. How many generations does it take before you don't know the person's name? We're here for a moment. And it's not at all about us. But we have to sit with these things. We have to wrestle with them. So for the next 12 weeks... We're going to dive into this book and we're going to unearth some of this stuff and turn over these rocks. And I invite you to not just gloss over, not just take the Sunday school answers, but I invite you to join me and us as a church and Solomon sit down and, and wrestle with this stuff. Ask real questions, the hard questions. Because it's going to get uncomfortable. If you do it right, it'll be uncomfortable at times. And there's going to be moments where you're like, dude, I don't, I don't even want to go there right now. We need to go there. We need to go. The, the Word of God invites us to go there. It goes there. So let's go and, and sit with these, these difficult realities, these difficult things, these, these principles that we need to, to take time to process in our lives. And, and for some of us, we, we've done our time with it. We've processed it more than others. Others, these are going to be brand new. We've never thought about these things before. But when we sit and, and wrestle with these things and look to what God's Word has to say, how beautiful will that token of wisdom come at the end? It's almost interesting that through a whole book like this that that the greatest hope is at the very end obey God. Fear the Lord. Of all the things, you know, that you could sit down and say, that's it. How sweet that must be in contrast to all this. Twelve weeks will take to look at the good life. What's the good life? And for a lot of it, it's going to seem like that light bulb is out. That there's nothing but darkness. But when seen in the right perspective, that light will turn on and will shed a whole new perspective on the situation. There's a lot to learn and glean. So let's take 12 weeks to ask those hard questions. Let's take 12 weeks to examine your life. 12 weeks to let the Word of God be a magnifying glass into your heart and your values and your passions. And 12 weeks for us to ask the question, what are we really living for? What is the good life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we are grateful. Grateful that your Word does address the difficulties and complexities of life. Lord, we live today in a culture that doesn't value these things by and large. We live in a culture that values comfort, 
convenience. And a lot of the realities of life around us are uncomfortable. They rub us the wrong way. They, they just, they're tough to deal with. And, and quite frankly, Lord, sometimes we just can't even wrap our heads around them. So Lord, over the next 12 weeks, as we spend time in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, would you meet us there in those complexities of life? and the issues and and troubles that face us under the sun. Lord, lead us in our studies and reflections to consider all that there is to life. That we would learn to see things from the teacher's perspective. That we'd be willing to heed the wisdom that you've given us. But that we would also be willing to consider it and to think about it ourselves. So Lord, we ask that through all of this, that you would show us week in and week out the good life. And Lord, show us how the good life isn't just what celebrates. It isn't what the world puts before us and, and lures us with. But the good life is one that looks to you in all things. So it doesn't matter our our level of wealth. It doesn't matter our, our level of influence or success. But what matters, Lord, is you. What matters is trusting you and following you then fearing you, God, and living lives that are obedient to you. So help us keep the main thing the main thing. That maybe on the, the outset... We need to wrestle with stuff. And at the end of this series, Lord, we pray that as we've spent time, that we might see more clearly what is the main thing. That we might be willing and and eager to keep it like it is. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you stand and join us in worship again? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Proclaim the power and might of His great name. Let us exalt on bended knee. Praise God the Holy Trinity. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God who saved my soul. Praise God, praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God.
praise to the King, His throne transcends, His crown and kingdom never end, now and throughout eternity. I'll praise the one who Praise God, praise God, praise God who saved my soul. Praise God, praise God, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're dismissed. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, just came It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now I know you're able and I know you can Save through the fire with your Say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, 
Victory. 